you have your Bibles with me, I'm going to ask you to open with me to the book of Luke chapter 2. And then also uh, put a mark on 2 Kings chapter 4. Book of Luke chapter 2 very quickly. And in book of Luke chapter 2 in verse 6, this is talking about the birth of Jesus. And it reads like this. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that Mary should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Notice here and underline it if you can. There was no room for them at the inn. If you have a pen, underline that. There was no room for them at the inn. Now go with me to 2 Kings. Chapter 4. In verse 8, when you have it, say, make room. Let's say it loud together. Say, make room. room. All right, verse 8 is talking about the prophet Elisha. It says, and it fell on that day that Elisha passed to Shunem. There was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in. Uh, you know, I'm going to change my version. This is King James. Oh, it was going to say thither and hither. And I better change it here. It's, he turned thither and hither. Wrong version. Come on, somebody. <laughs> All right. Now, it came to pass one day that Elisha went to shoot him. And there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed, he would turn in there to eat some food. And then she said to her husband, look. Now I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. And so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day, one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he laid down there. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him and he said and, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. Underline that all this care he says, what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then can be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, he stood in the doorway and then and she stood in the doorway and he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Amen. Tonight. I've been really feeling in my heart that wherever I go. God wants us to hear a message about the church, because how many of you believe that the church is the hope of a dying world? And how many of you believe that we are living in some real heavy times? We're living in what the Bible describes to be perilous times. And that's why tonight, as I get ready to speak out of these portions of Scripture, the title of my message is Make Room for Jesus. Make Room for Jesus. You know, as you look out in the world today, I've discovered that so many people, they fear emptiness. We fear empty cupboards. We fear empty jars. We fear empty spaces. You know, I think there's some pastors in this room today that sometimes when you come to church and you see that there's empty chairs, that bothers you. How many can say amen? We fear empty spaces. Uh, Sometimes we fear when people walk out of our life. I've learned that every time someone walks out of your life, God will send the right people into your life. We fear empty spaces. Um, We fear when people leave church. 
And, but what we should realize, and I think one of the greatest things we fear is we fear empty wallets. Come on, somebody. But what we should realize is this tonight, is that emptiness can be a gift from God. Write that down. Emptiness can be a gift from God. Here's a powerful truth that we read in Scripture, that God is repelled by fullness. God is repelled by something that is full. In the scripture before the scripture we read about the Shunammite woman, there's another story where a woman was in poverty and her husband was in debt and the prophet came to the door and she needed a miracle. So he told the woman, go to all your neighbors and collect as many empty jars as you can. And the Bible says that for every jar that she collected that was empty, God filled it. So what does that scripture tell us is that God is actually repelled from fullness, but he's attracted to empty spaces. Can I hear an amen? The problem with us is we have a tendency as Christians to envy those who seem full. In fact, there could be some people here right now that you are very full, but God wants you to be emptied again. Because what I have discovered is that every time we empty ourselves, God fills us fresh and anew. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 37, verse 1 through 4, the psalmist says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they soon shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good, and dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. What is the scripture telling us? What, is the, what condition is the church in today? So many people seem full, but they're really empty. And not only are they empty, but they're someone somewhat tired because they're not filled with the right things, but they're filled with the wrong things. They're filled with the world's desires. They're filled with ambition. They're filled with wrong relationships. They're filled with the desire for money. And you know what? They're quite miserable. And quite often we find that many Christians, in fact, many leaders find themselves in this very same category. In Victor Outreach, we would say, they look good on the outside, but they're struggling on the inside. Why? Because they're full of many things, but they've made no room for Jesus in their life. See, what I believe, why I believe this is such an important message and why God has been showing me things about his church in 2013 is we're living in some profound times. We're living in some heavy times. We're living in some real crazy times, especially here in the United States of America. Many of you know the tragedy that took place yesterday in Boston. There's terrorism. There's gun control issues. There's mass murder. There's a lot of things going on in this world, and people are scared. But what I find in America is we're living in a day where we have run Jesus out of our lives, but we call him back in times of trouble. Some of you know those people because they're sitting in your churches every Sunday. When they're doing good, they're not here. But when they're doing bad, they're the first ones and the last ones to leave. Can I hear an amen? It's amazing how we run prayer out of the school. Come on, somebody. And then we complain that our young people are hooked on drugs. Can I hear an amen? What would happen if we learned to not just walk with Jesus when we needed him, but what would happen if we learned to walk with Jesus every day of our life? What would happen in a leader's life when a leader wasn't just doing the work of God, but actually had a relationship with God? What would happen if the church, come on somebody, is the church in the house? What if the church wasn't wrapped up in programs? Come on somebody. Wrapped up in an agenda. Come on somebody. Wrapped up in a schedule. Come on somebody. Wrapped up in works. Come on somebody. You know, there's so many leaders that are more worried about what they do for God than who they are for God. And you know, in Victory Outreach, it's not about what you do for God. It's about who you are for God. And we want to see men and women of God raised up in the house. Can I hear an amen? What would happen if as leaders, we made room for Jesus? Because you, yeah, you, I know some of you look at me like, what are you talking about? But I know leaders. Come on, somebody. I know leaders. I know that some of you today did not pray. Come on, somebody. Some of you did not spend time with God. Some of you might not even have spent time with God in a long time. But what would have happened if we learned to spend time and connect with Jesus on a daily basis? 
Come on, somebody. I want to talk about two people in these stories we read. Number one, in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, we find that Mary's about to give birth to Jesus. And they're going and they're looking for a place for it to happen. And they get to the inn and the Bible says there was no room. There was no room. I have a question. Who was this innkeeper? Who was this guy? Come on, somebody. And let me ask you another question. What in the world was he thinking? Why couldn't this innkeeper make room for a pregnant lady and allow Jesus to come in? Why couldn't he make room for Jesus? You see, I know that what, I know as leaders, sometimes we can be judgmental because hindsight is 2020. And these are the questions quite often we ask when we see those people who miss God in their lives. What we find here with this innkeeper is that he actually missed God. He didn't see what God wanted to do. Can I hear an amen? He was too full to make room for God. Come on, somebody. He was more worried about his bottom line than worried about God. He was more worried about his current situation than worried about the future. I'm preaching in this place. See, friends, you and I, we have an opportunity to see what God wants to do or to miss what God is doing. Can I hear an amen? And you and I are here tonight, and you and I, we need to make a choice whether we're going to make room for Jesus in our lives as a leader, whether we're going to make room for Jesus in our lives, in our homes, whether we're going to make room for Jesus in our families, whether we're going to make room for Jesus in our relationships, or whether we're going to even make room for Jesus in our churches. What would happen if we made more room for Jesus? The book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, tells us very clearly. The Bible says, many of you know the scripture. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And let me tell you something about the door, my friends. It's not the door that you have at your house. The door that Jesus is knocking on in your life only has one doorknob, and it's on your side. Because we serve a God that's a gentleman. We serve a God that won't force himself into your life. He won't force himself into your marriage. He won't force himself to your dinner table. He won't force himself into your money. He won't force, oh, you ain't hearing me in this place. Jesus is a gentleman. Can I hear an amen? And Jesus is not going to force himself on anybody. See, see, he's not going to force you to pray. And he's not going to force you to have a relationship with him. And he's not going to force you to talk to him about your troubles. And he's not going to force you to fast. Come on, somebody. He, but he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But the doorknob is on your side. The question is, in 2013... Will you let Jesus come in? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Come on. And if you open up the door, he says, I will come in. And what does he say? We're going to have dinner. <laughs> We're going to break bread. Come on, I can't think of anything. Well, I could think of one thing more intimate. But I can't think of anything more intimate than to have a good meal with somebody. And let me tell you something, leaders. Jesus, <laughs> come on back, single people. Now, <laughs> let me tell you something, leaders. Jesus made success very simple in the book of John chapter 15. He says, you want to have good success in your life? He said, behold, I am the vine. You are the branches. He said, abide in me. And I will what? And you will ask anything you desire, and it shall come to pass. Come on, how many want to make room for Jesus? Come on and give God a good, good round of applause here today. Here's the question. Why wouldn't you want to eat with Jesus? Why wouldn't you want to spend time with God? Why wouldn't you make more room for Jesus in your life? Why wouldn't you make more room for Jesus in your service? Why wouldn't you make more room for Jesus in your cell group? Why wouldn't you make more room for Jesus in your evangelism? Why? Come on, somebody. Tell your neighbor, make room for Jesus. You know, if this innkeeper hadn't missed it, we'd still be visiting his inn today. 
See, he was so worried about money. He didn't make no room. He was so worried about the money he was making at that moment. He didn't have no room for Jesus. But what if he had opened up the door? His grandchildren's 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 grandchildren would still be eating off that one. Come on, somebody. Tell your neighbor, don't miss it. Some of you still ain't getting it. You're like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Tell your neighbor, don't. You got to put your spiritual ears on right now. Are you catching this? See, 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 you got to look at someone and tell them, don't miss your moments. Don't miss your God moments. See, I believe in 2013, God is looking for people in Victor Outreach that won't miss their God moments. That they'll understand that Jesus is knocking at the door of your life. And he's saying, I want to come in with greater power. I want to come in with greater anointing. I want to come in with greater authority. I want to come in with greater financial blessing. Come on, you can clap on the financial blessing. I want to come into your marriage greater. I want to come into your home greater. Come on, somebody. I want to fill your churches with my power. Is there anyone here tonight that's willing to open up the door for Jesus to come in? You got to make room for Jesus. You know, A.W. Tozer, who's an awesome author, we've met, we've read many of his books, quoted him many times. He wrote this. He says, I've noticed how much prayer for revival is going on in the church, but how little revival is actually taking place. He says, I've noticed how much people pray for revival and how much, how much people want to have revival. But how much little revival is taking place? He says, I believe it's because we substitute prayer for obedience. Mm, Tell your neighbor, he's preaching now. We substitute prayer for obedience. Look at your neighbor and tell him prayer is not enough. Sometimes we get on our knees and we're crying out for a move of God. But you know what? God is crying out for a move of man. God is looking for someone that's going to get out of their comfort zone. God's looking for someone that's going to come out of their religious attitude. God is looking for a leader that's going to come out of their know-it-all mentality. Come on, somebody. God is looking for somebody that's going to come out of 1976 and come into 2013. Come on, we say, oh, God, give us revival. Give us a move of you. God says, no, you move, then I'll show up. Because one thing I've learned is that the Holy Ghost always falls on people who are trying. I'm preaching better than you're clapping in this place. The Holy Spirit always falls on people who are trying. The Holy Ghost always falls. They say, I may not know what I'm doing, but I've been praying, and I know God wants to bring revival, so I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to step out of my own thinking. I'm going to step out of my, and I got it, and I don't know if you're going to be there, but guess what? When you step out, God says, I've been waiting for you to step out. This is a training, right? God's looking for a move of man. God's looking for people who will attach meaningful action to their faith. Say that with me. Say meaningful action. Write write that down, meaningful action. Meaningful action. God says, I bless people who demonstrate meaningful action. Look at the promise he's given our ministry in Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your... Notice all the work involved. (laughs) Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your... Come on, that's sweaty work. Stretching, now you start sweating. Your back gets all wet. Talk to me. Stretch out the currents of your doing. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stake. For you shall expand to the right and the left. And you shall inherit the desolate cities and make the desolate cities inhabited. Come on, somebody. But before he says that, in verse 1, he says, more are the children of the barren woman. And what, Jesus, what, what the Lord was telling Israel, he's saying, listen, when you decide to build, then I'll decide to give you a baby. Oh, yeah. When you make room for me, that's when I'll come over for dinner. 
My God, this is good preaching in this place. I'm ministering to myself. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you got to make room for Jesus. You know, you have an opportunity this year to attach meaningful action to what you say you believe. You say you believe that God is real. You say you believe we're going to reach the city. You say you believe that we're going to raise up more godly marriages and more godly families in the house. You say that we're going to reach drug addicts and gang members. You say that we're going to pack out the church. This is the year where you've got to move from praying to obeying. Now, are you talking bad about prayer? Absolutely not. Prayer is breath. Prayer is life. We're dead without prayer. But God is looking for a people who are going to move from praying to obeying. It's time to build an addition for God. It's time to go to Home Depot. It's time to go to Lowe's. Come on, somebody. It's time to go to the hardware store. And it's time to buy hammer. And it's time to buy nails. And it's time to buy studs. And it's time to buy sheetrock. And it's time to buy some gloves. And it's time to roll up your side. We've been praying and we've been praying and we've been praying. And we've been fasting, my friend. And I thank God for it. But God is looking for people that are going to bust out their credit card and go on down to Home Depot and say, we've been praying and the baby's on its way. So it's time to build the room. It's time time to build the nursery. It's time to furnish it. How about you guys? You with me on this side? Tell your neighbor, it's time to build. See, in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, this woman understood this truth. Tell your neighbor, she got it. She, she got it, Bethel. She understood it. She said, this is a special man. This is not an ordinary guy. This is a holy man. She said, the Bible said she perceived him to be a holy man of God. Come on. She didn't miss it. Tell neighbor, don't miss it. Who preached tonight? I ain't going to tell you because you missed it. Tell your neighbor, don't miss it. She got it. She understood. Where the innkeeper found no room, she made room. Where the innkeeper, that ain't no room, ain't no bed for you, God. She says, oh, we're going to make room. <laughs> we're going to make room. Tell your neighbor, make room. And you know what made her face so heavy? This woman convinced her husband to make the room. Some of you get that on the way home. She convinced her husband to make room for another man. <laughs> That's creepy for obvious reasons. And I'm sure he probably said, but what? You, you tripping. funny how when the pastor asks us to tithe, we get all these funky attitudes. Tell your neighbor, stop tripping. She convinced her husband to build a room for another man. And I'm sure he probably said, what are we going to do with this room when the guy's not here? But she understood. This is what makes it powerful. And this is what I want you to catch. She understood what happens when you and I are hospitable to the Holy Spirit. Oh, what would happen if we built a church that was hospitable to the Holy Spirit? What would happen if we built our families' homes? in a way that were hospitable to the 
to the Holy Spirit. See, because you've got to understand the Holy Spirit is sensitive. The Bible says when Jesus was being baptized by John, the Holy Spirit came down like what? If you study the seven symbols of the Holy Ghost in Scripture, you'll find that the dove represents the approval of God. And the Holy Spirit came down like a dove. Somebody say a dove. Now, I was out golfing today, and I saw some beautiful Canadian geese. But as big as those geese are, they're sensitive. If you're going to get close to them, you you, you can't be stomping. You can't run at them. What are they going to do? can't throw bread at them. They might walk away and come back and get it. Come on, somebody. You got to move slow. You got to move gentle. See, friends, the Holy Spirit responds to a spirit of hospitality. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't go to a place where it's not welcome. And it doesn't go to a place that's not wanted. The Holy Spirit is there. You're going to catch this. And when you're walking rough, the Holy Spirit's going to fly away from you. When you're shouting on people, when you're criticizing people, when you're negative, Holy Ghost says, I'll come back when you're in a better mood. When you're fighting with your old man, your old lady at home, come on, real people. Holy Ghost says, I'm going to hang out on the roof, and when they're done, I'll come back because I know somebody's going to be crying. This woman understand the power of building a house that was hospitable to the Holy Spirit. What would happen if we built a church of hospitality? And I'm not just talking about your dreams. I'm not talking about the sweet cakes you serve. I'm not talking about the coffee, although keep it strong and keep it anointed. I'm not just talking about how you serve, but I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit welcome in your house? Come on, is the Holy Ghost able to do? Come on, somebody, give God a prayer. Is the Holy Ghost able to come in and say, I want to take control? Come on, somebody, I want to take control. Let the Holy Ghost come in. Can I hear an amen? See, what would happen if we begin to, to build a house of hospitality for the Holy Ghost? See, I learned this principle early in my walk with God. I caught the principle of making room. Tell somebody, make room. When we were in the training center, my wife and I started UTC. We got this idea. We had this extra room downstairs. We got this idea of making a guest room for the men and women of God who might be coming, passing through town. And different preachers would come into the UTC, and they would sleep in that room, sometimes with their wives, with their children. And they'd get up in the morning, and they would pray with us, and they would preach to us, and they would minister to us. One preacher who came with his wife, they stayed at the UTC with us for an entire month. And these pastors, these evangelists, they would wake up, sleep with us, eat with us, fellowship with us, man. Uh, When we took a nap, they took a nap. I mean, they were just a part of it. Can I hear an amen? And in that entire month, they, they, they really imparted into our lives. We, we were able to lock hearts with them. But you know what? That's something that we still do today in our very own home. In our very own home, we, we, our very own house, my wife and I, we have a room, a guest room in our house. And, and in that house, we allow pastors and preachers to come. Irene has stood there. Anthony has stood there. Chucky has stood there. You know, some of y'all may be staying there real soon. Who knows? Because we understand the value of being hospitable to the Holy Ghost. Can I hear an amen? We understand that when the Holy Ghost is able to come in, it's not a time only to give, but it's a time to receive. Can I hear an amen? It's a time to to fellowship with God. It's a time to connect with God. Can I hear an amen? When this woman made room for God in her house. She made room for three things, and this is going to be my sermon. You catching this today? She made room for three things in her house, and I believe that these three things we should not only make room for in our house, but we should also make room for in our churches. Can I hear an amen? The first thing we find in verse 10, go there with me, verse 10. She says, please let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed in there for for him. Let us put a bed. 
in there. The first thing we find is that this woman made room in her house for supernatural rest and supernatural comfort. She put a bed. Write that down. She put a bed. What I believe that bed represented is that every time the man of God came, he could lay down on that bed and he could rest. He could lay down on that bed and he could be replenished. Can I hear it? How many know there ain't nothing better than a good night's sleep? And you know, I heard a preacher say one time, a long time ago, he said, tired eyes rarely see a bright future. You know why some people are so such in a bad mood? Because they're tired. You know why some leaders don't want to give anymore? Because they're tired. You know why some leaders don't want to be a part of the new building project? Because they're tired. You know why some leaders don't want to volunteer anymore? Because they're tired. She said, let's make a bed so when the man of God's tired, he could come and rest. Powerful stuff. Because tired eyes rarely see a bright future. See, Jesus said it. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor. Come on, somebody. You know, I, I've been struggling with some of my older leaders in my church. I'll share this with you. Some of our older leaders, they've been serving God 10 years. They've been serving God 15 years. They've been serving God 20 years. And I'm struggling. 2012, I struggled with them. And one day, man, I was saying, God, what's the matter with them? And I was mad at them. And I was angry with them. And I was like, what's going on with these people? And I was preaching hard sermons. And they were making altar calls. And they were crying. And I was saying, these people are all messed up. No, they weren't all messed up. One day, the Holy Ghost talked to me. He said, they're not messed up. They're just tired. Deserves a place to hang his armor from time to time. Every soldier deserves a place where he can just go to a place where he don't got to stress out. Where he don't got to deal with problems. Where he don't got to be yelled at. Where he doesn't have to be gossiped about. Where he doesn't have to fight with nobody. Come on, somebody. See, young leaders don't understand this because you ain't tired yet. But some of you that have been doing this a little while, you know what the value of rest is in your life. You say, where are you going with this? I'll tell you where I'm going with this. It says that they that wait upon the Lord shall what? They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Come on, it feels good. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? They shall mount up on wings as eagles. You know what, friends? I don't stand behind the pulpit and tell people how hard life is. Because life is doing a good job of that on its own. I don't get up there on Sunday and start telling people how messed up the world is. All they got to do is turn on CNN. All they got to do is go on Facebook. There's so many depressed people on Facebook, it's ridiculous. In the last four days, I have dropped 300 people off my Facebook page because they are too depressing. You know what, friends? Life is hard. You know what, friends? In 2013... Our country's not getting better. Our country's getting worse. You know what, friends? The divorce rate's not going down. The divorce rate is going. You know what, friends? Our kids are being slain in the streets. They're being slain at the movie theaters. They're being slain at school. There's nowhere safe to go. Parents are freaked out. Your kids go out on a Saturday night and you got church the next morning. You ain't sleeping. Talk to me. Or is it just me? Life's hard. People losing their home. People are not getting the taxes back that they thought they were going to get. People are losing their jobs. People are getting demoted. People are taking pay cuts. Life is hard. But this woman understood what it was. Because she put a bed in the house. You know what I thank God for? 
I thank God for that the day I walked through the doors of Victory Outreach, somebody let me rest. Somebody let me rest. Somebody let me lay down. Come on, somebody. They didn't make me usher. They didn't make me give. They didn't make me do go to the streets. They said, just rest. They, they let me lay low for six months. Talk to me. They let me lay low for eight months. Come on. They, they let God put me back together again. <laughs> They let the Holy Spirit, they, they were a hospital to the Holy Spirit. And they let the Holy Spirit come in and deal with my issues and let the Holy Ghost come in and work on my self-esteem. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're clapping. They let God be God in my life. They didn't push me to do nothing because I needed it, because I was hurting, because I was struggling. trying to clean fish that aren't even in the net yet. <laughs> I learned this a long time ago. What's a better way to catch fish, with bait or with a knife? Imagine if all the disciples are on a boat, and they, they see all the fish, there's a whole school of fish, and they just bust out a sword and be like, get in the boat. So you're like, no, 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 no. Heck no. The best way to catch bees is with honey. With honey. I've been thinking about this lately with some young leaders. I'm thinking, if you're going to be the flavor of the month, at least be sweet. Because young leaders, they want to come in with their title and start damning everybody and rebuking everybody and trying to floss and act, well, I'm the boss now. Listen, bro. We don't even know you're going to be here next year. So if you're going to be the flavor of the month, at least be strawberry or chocolate. Come on, give God a praise right now. Come on, if you're catching something, give God a praise. This woman understood. She built a house for rest. She built a house for restoration. She built a house for healing. Somebody say amen. And let me tell you something, friends. If we forget how to restore people, then we stop being Victory Outreach. If we forget how to help people in their time of trouble, then we stop being Victory Outreach. If we stop being the church of the second, third, fourth, and tenth chance, then we stop being Victory Outreach. How we know we've got to build a house where people could get healed and people could get restored? Come on, somebody. And marriages can make it back? Let me tell some of you married couples, if you haven't had problems yet, you're going to have problems. So don't judge me. The church is a hospital. Come on. Is this speaking to anybody? The church is a hospital. The church is a Holy Ghost hospital. And you know what? We're called to nurse people back to health. Give God a good praise in this place here today. The second thing, I'm almost done, is she made, well, let's go to verse 10. You getting some so far? She said, please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed there. And let us put a table and a chair. Say that with me. Say table and a chair. Not only did she make room for supernatural rest and comfort, but she made room for supernatural wisdom. The Bible says she placed the table and the chair. And what I believe is the table and the chair represented the wisdom of God. See, when Elisha would go up to that room, it would not only be a place where he could rest and be restored and be healed. 
But it was also a place that when he was done resting, he could sit down at the table in that chair and he could collect his thoughts. It was a place where he could sit down in that chair and he could pray and talk to God. It was a place where he could sit down in that chair and he could study God's word. It was a place where he could sit down in that chair and he could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Somebody say wisdom. You see, this represents a place where we can pray, we can study, we can prepare. And this is where a place where God brings growth in our life. The, whiz, the, the, the chair and the table represents not only a place of preparation. Let me, let, let me say something about preparation, my friends. He who prepares in this season will lead in the next season. Come on, somebody. Some of you are going to catch on the way home. He who prepares in this season. Tell your neighbor, prepare in this season. He who prepares in this season will lead in the next season. But he who's playing games in this season, you may not even be around in the next season. You love that hard preacher, man. He's <laughs> she put that table, she put that chair so that the man of God could hear from the Lord. And what I believe that also represents is personal growth. Somebody say personal growth. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe you can grow more? How many of you have a deeper desire to grow more? The Bible says that even Jesus, the God-man in Luke chapter 2, grew in wisdom, knowledge, and stature in favor before God and favor before man. So if Jesus had to grow, how many know we got to grow too? Touch your neighbor and tell him you've got to grow. The Bible says that a house is built on wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Come on, how many want to build a house? It's not just built on prayer. It's not just built on evangelism. It's not even just built on giving. The Bible says it's built on wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Wisdom can be defined as the supernatural ability to solve problems. Wisdom. The supernatural ability to solve problems. Problems. How many know before we had Jesus, we were the problem? But how many know that now that we have Jesus, we're part of the solution? Come on, somebody. Say, I need wisdom. Why do you need wisdom? Why do you need wisdom? Why do you need wisdom? Because God has called us to solve people's problems. People don't just come in tired. We're Victory Outreach. Come on, it's Victory Outreach in the house. So we're called to reach some of the most problematic people in the world. That's why we need supernatural wisdom. That's why as leaders we need to be growing spiritually but also growing mentally. That's why we need to continue to pray, and we need to continue to be filled with the Spirit. But we also need to ask the Lord to grow our wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. See, what this woman was doing is by bringing in the prophet of God, she was not only preparing a place of rest, but she was preparing a place for wisdom. She was bringing wisdom into her home. You know what I've discovered about growth? Is you can't let just anybody speak into your life. I want people who represent where I'm trying to go to speak into my life. Come on, somebody. You know what I've learned? Is that broken people can't fix whole people. So before God uses you to fix someone else, he's got to first fix you. Come on, somebody. Somebody say wisdom. You know, people, when they come into the house, they got problems. And a lot of them need miracles. How many of you need a miracle when you came to church? How many of you needed more than one miracle? How many of you needed ten miracles? 
How many of you got every single one of those miracles? Give God a good praise right now. We serve a miracle working God. But you know what I've learned? That when we live by principle, we need less miracles. When we live with wisdom, we don't need to be crying out God to God for a supernatural miracle. Our miracles change. When you're growing and you're developing and you're practicing the word of God, you're blessed. When you're tithing and you're giving and you're keeping God first in every area of your life, you're blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. You don't need the same types of miracles. The type of miracles you need now are the miracles that you'll pray into somebody else's life. I'm talking to leaders in this place. See, before you needed the miracle and God gave it to you, but God didn't give you a miracle so that you could keep asking for miracles. God gave you a miracle so he could take, see, because the thing is this, when we came to God, we came at less than zero. Some of us came out of prison, some of us came off parole, some of us came out of bankruptcy, some of us came out of divorce, some of us were sick in body. So he gave us the miracle because we were less than zero and he brought us up to zero. But once we got filled with the word of God, once we came under our pastor, once we came under our leaders, once wisdom started being imparted to our life, we went from zero to one to two to three. And then we keep on soaring. So now you don't need the same types of miracles. The types of miracles you need are for your family members, for your children. Come on, son. Somebody. You're believing God for bigger things. Can I hear an amen? amen? Somebody say wisdom. The church, in order to be effective, needs wisdom. If we're going to be effective in 2013, we need wisdom. We need understanding. We need to grow in God's word. You know what we need? We need leaders that are modeling growth in their life. Next top model. But you're a Jesus model. Come on, somebody. You know what I like to tell our church? Is this helping anybody today? You're a billboard of success to your community. Can I just land here for a quick moment before I go to the last point? Tell your neighbor, you're a billboard of success to your community. Because of wisdom. Because you've put yourself under wisdom. Because you've put yourself under God's word. Because you've allowed God's word to change you. But you know what I believe? Is that your community is also changing. Tell your neighbor, your community is changing. Because when, I, when you first got saved, just like me, when I first got saved, and I used to live in those apartments, you know which apartments I'm talking about? And every day when I used to go to the liquor store, and I used to talk to Pookie and them. <laughs> and remember you used to tell Pookie, like, you need Jesus, bro. Remember that? You need Jesus, bro. You, you need God. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go to church. But Pookie never went. So then you go again next week, and he'd be like, hey, you need Jesus. Pookie, I'm going to go. He never went. You know what I'm talking about. Meanwhile, while Pookie was staying on the corner, you were in God's house growing. You were in God's house getting your marriage together. You were in God's house growing in wisdom. Talk to me. You were in God's house and you got a promotion at work. Come on, somebody. You used to drive a car that used to have to pray in tongues over before you went to work. Karaba. Come on, somebody. Now you're driving a Honda Accord. Talk to me. Or, or a Kia. Talk to me. With the dealer plate. Come on. Some of you went a little higher. You went to a Caddy. Come on. You went to a. Come on, somebody. And every now and then, you drive by those old apartments. And Pookie's still there. But guess what? You don't pass him by. You pull over, and you get out, and you say, Pookie, the same God that changed me is the same God that could change you. But you got to give him a chance. Come on, somebody. But guess what? Now you're not just reaching Pookie. And Kyle in them. Talk to me. You're reaching Chad. Talk to me. 
you're reaching, you know, you know, Brother Nathaniel over there at Google and all that. Come on, somebody. How many know we serve a faithful God? But it's because of wisdom. It's because of understanding. It's because of God's word. Come on and give God a good, good praise in this place. What's the final thing? Is not only did she make room for rest, not only did she make room for supernatural wisdom, but let me give you the final thing here. In verse 10 it says, very simply, she said, please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. Somebody say lampstand. So that will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. She made room for rest, supernatural rest. She made room for supernatural wisdom. But finally and lastly, and I believe most importantly, she made room for supernatural power. The Bible says she put a bed. The Bible says she put a table and a chair. But lastly, it says that she put a lampstand. Somebody say a lampstand. What does that mean? That means that she put a light on the table. Come on, somebody. She put a light on the table. And you know what I believe is that light represented the power of God to a hurting world. Because, friends, what, what I want to pass on to you here today is that where the light shines, the power is present. Where the light shines, the power is present. Now, I don't know about you, my friends, but I want... When, when I'm home, the light is usually on in my house. If you go visit somebody and their lights are off, what do you know? You know they're not, a home, they're not home, either they're not home or they're what? You know what I have discovered about churches? A lot of churches either aren't home or they're asleep. And you know what? They've got hurting people driving by their church every day. You know, in front of our church, some of you have been to our church, some of you haven't been to our church, you just come, next time we have something, come. But our church is on a main street there in San Diego. It's very lit. It's got a big red sign and 96,000 cars drive in front of our church every week. One day... Pastor Miller says, we got to fix the sign. I go, I'd like to get a new sign, but if it's too expensive, let's just refurbish it. So he goes, I'm going to refurbish it. So he pulled down the sign. He pulled down the Vicarage Church sign. And it was down for like three weeks. It only took two days for people to start calling our church and asking us, what happened? Did Victory Outreach close? Come on, somebody. You know what the most expensive bill in our church is? It's our light bill. Because our church is always on. It's, listen, it's, we have church on Sunday. At one time we were doing five services on Sunday. We had a Spanish ministry. Now we're doing three services on Sunday. We have an El Cajon campus. We have Sunday service. The church parking lot's packed on Monday. The church parking lot's packed on Tuesday. The church is packed on Wednesday. The church parking lot's packed on Thursday. The church parking lot's packed on Friday. And on Saturday morning, you can guarantee we either have a wedding, a funeral, or passion for purity classes. Something's going on in our church every single day of the week. And you know what I believe as a church? We need to build a church that keeps the light on 24 hours a day. We need to build a church that will be a lighthouse to its community. Can I hear an amen? Jesus said, if you have a light, you don't put it under a basket. You're a city on a hill. And I believe that Victory Outreach International is not under a basket, but we're called to shine. We're called to stand upon the hill. We're called to let people know that the power of God is flowing in our church. You know what we declare to the Holy Spirit? We say, Holy Spirit, fill our churches. Holy Spirit, fill our leadership. Holy Spirit, don't let us become religious. Don't let us be a church that when the pastors come to preach, it's like pulling teeth. 
And you got to beg for a shout. And you got to beg for an amen. And you got to beg for someone to say praise the Lord. Friend, that's what Catholic church was. When I went to Catholic church, everybody was quiet and had their, had their hands folded. And no one talked out of order. And everybody sat there. But the Bible says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Is there anyone in this place that wants the light to be turned on in the church? Touch your neighbor and tell him, turn the light back on. Listen, listen. I heard my Bible teacher say this one time. He says, the emotion doesn't produce the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit should produce some emotion. And if you're not moving and if you're not shouting, then I question whether the Holy Spirit is moving. And you're like, well, I don't get down like that, Pastor. I'm conservative and I'm more mature now. No, you're not more mature. It's just that the light got turned off a long time ago. It's time to turn the light back on in victory outreach and let people know that the Holy Ghost What would happen if we built a church that was like Motel 6 and said, we'll leave the light on for you. Yeah, we got to go to bed. But somebody will still be up to pray for you. Somebody will still be up to meet your need. Somebody will still be up to bring you into the home. Come on, somebody. I don't want to do that. I don't want to stay up all night. Then you go ahead and go to bed. But God is raising up leaders that want to make a difference in 2013 because life is hard and people are hurting and they're looking for a church called Victory Outreach that will You just looking at me like, hey. you know why I don't turn a light on? Because it's too expensive. <laughs> why you keep the light down low? Some young person's getting locked up tonight. And why you keep the light down low? Some marriage. The husband's staying at another place, and the wife kicked him out. Come on, somebody. And while you won't answer your text message, because it's too late, and you're watching Jay Leno. Or you on Facebook looking for the latest gossip. Come on, somebody. While you won't answer nobody's phone call because it's inconveniencing you, somebody's dying in the street. But we're not called to be that type of church. We're the ministry of victory outreach, and we're going to leave the light on, and we're going to believe in the power of God, and we're going to, oh, come on, somebody. Give God a praise in this place. We say, hey, that church may not accept you, but you can darken our door. Hey, that church may not want to work with your marriage, but you could come to our church because we believe that the same God that healed us is the same God that could heal you. The same God that restored us is the same God. Come on, God's not a respecter of persons. I don't care what kind of problem you have. There is power in the people of God at Victory Outreach. Oh, come on and clap and encourage the man of God. Touch your neighbor and tell him, turn on the lights. My God. Let's not become dead. Let's not become dry. There's so many dry churches. They're, they're so dry. You go to preach, they're so dry. They don't want to say amen. They don't want to shout. You know, they don't want to look stupid. So let me get OG on you. You didn't mind how you look. We out there smoking crack rock. And now you, <laughs> you didn't care. You, you were all messed up. You didn't care how you look, man. You didn't care who you asked for money. You got a nickel. You got a dime. You didn't care what people thought about you then. Now all of a sudden God cleans you up. God gives you new garments. And you're too good to give God praise. And you're too good to shout and. 
You know what happens to us? Why we get like that? Because we ain't been around lost people in a long time. You forgot what it was to be lost. You forgot what it was to be hurting. You, oh, come on, I'm preaching. And you forgot what it was to be locked up in prison. You need to visit a hospital. You need to go to the jail. You need to get out of the church house. Your sandals are too clean. Touch your neighbor and look at their shoes. I don't want to go. These are the new Jordans. I don't want to go to the streets. These are the new Jordans. You know, I, I don't want to go. I, these are some new heels I got. I don't want to go to the streets. I got me some new. Put your, throw your heels away. Put on your combat boots and get out there and let people know that Jesus is still working in 2013. Come on and give God a big, big praise. Come on, Victory Outreach. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Come on, Victory Outreach. Come on, Victory Outreach. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Look at your neighbor's sandals, how they look. Come on up to the keyboard. Be seated. Was this a training? What was this supposed to be? Did you get any notes? Raise your hand if you got some notes. Okay, good. All right. So we accomplished something. You know why I preach that? Like you're bringing it out of me. Because you're not dead. You're alive in Christ. Come on. You're a burning bush for God. Come on, somebody. The light is on in Northern California, baby. I'll tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. 